Well, a lot of it, I think, came about as as the yoga. You know, ever since the early 90s, I've worked for myself. Mm-hmm. And most of it, I've, I've been a coach, I've been a teacher, and not all of it's been yoga. I mean, I've, I taught realtors mortgage finance, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, but as I started doing yoga, um, I had this feeling like the teaching yoga was more about really teaching about life than, than just bending right, left, backwards, and forwards. And so I had some pretty incredible teachers that talked about that, not in a religious sense and not in a hardcore sense, but more in a, to me, like life coaching is about helping people recognize who they are Mm -hmm. versus telling them who they are. Listen to the vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes, and I'm very privileged to have Mr. Michael Harris with me, and we are going to get to know him, get a little words of wisdom, and anyway, he is an author, he's a life coach, uh, he helps people with podcasting, uh, as, as he describes himself, the, the guy on the other side of Zoom, <laughs> you're into yoga as well? Yeah, Yes. And you enjoy the outdoors. Tell us, tell us a little more about yourself. Well, you you finished with outdoors, so I'll start there. Okay. Uh, so at one time, and I'll, I'll go kind of re- reverse chronology here. At one time, I could barely walk in the 80s. I was on a cane. Mm. And, you know, today and earlier this year, I actually made a commitment that I was going to do one butte a week this year, which is... I, you know, a butte is really a smaller mountain. And mm-hmm. you know, most of them are off trail. There's no trails. I just go park at the bottom and go up the top. Sometimes it's a ridge, but I really appreciate the ability to have my legs and to be able to go to the top of the mountain, so to speak. So it's kind of like, you know, overcoming that adversity that I had 35 years ago. And wow. just to, 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 add on to that again that reverse chronology thing is in 1986 i was diagnosed with peripheral vascular disease my right leg was 100 percent blocked my left leg was 65 percent blocked yet all my blood panels were normal normal cholesterol my cholesterol was 140 actually at the time so it wasn't like i had a 400 cholesterol yet i had plaque inside of my arteries um, that was causing me issues. I had an old man disease, you know, as a kid, you know, in my twenties mm. and, you know, I, I ended up, I, I ended up having a couple bypass surgeries on my legs, we call them fem pops. And then I had blood clots and then they wanted to do more surgery a couple months later. And I told them that they weren't going to do it and they weren't going to cut my legs and I was going to leave the hospital I was one stubborn patient signed out AMA uh, while the surgeons were telling me that I was going to be dead within six months. And I said, no, I'm not. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea, Kyle, what I was going to do. <laughs> and th- this is where the, the yoga started is I ended up in a, what was called Pretty Come Longevity Center in 1987 in Santa Monica, California. And it was right on the boardwalk right there in Santa Monica. And the doctor down there, he said, when it hurts, get up and walk. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you got to walk to get better. And I said, well, the doctors at OHSU said, don't walk if it hurts. He says, well, I'm telling you to walk. Just get up and walk. Start walking on the boardwalk. And literally at the time, I had a cane in one hand and I was using the wall on the other hand to move. That's how bad my condition was but as soon as I went out there on that boardwalk Kyle there's a couple of things I noticed one was it was a beautiful day and sunny and the other thing is that there was a lot of women on rollerblades and in bikinis and I thought wow this is a cool (laughs) place and I was not going to be the 97 pound weakling down on the beach right? Getting sand kicked in his face. I was going to stand tall. 
you know. So in in to make a long story short, within two weeks, I was walking two miles without a cane. Wow. And it's just like, oh, just get up and walk. Just walk through the pain, you know, get through that. Man, yeah. I've had something similar. Um, you know, I, I'm diabetic. And, uh-huh. uh, anyway, I had a heart attack when I was 36. Yeah. Pretty young. Anyway, uh, you know, I I got to dieting and, and exercising and, and I got myself better, but I my diabetes had been bad for so long. I didn't realize that it caused a disease in my spine. And what it does is it starts to break down and deteriorate the bone. And so my in between each vertebrae, it looks like you're walking into a cave with stalactites and stalagmites. Yep. And uh, some years went by, and I, I I kept having all these different pains. Like uh, my, it affected my nerves and all that. And one evening, in fact, it was around Thanksgiving. I was sitting on the floor in front of my wife, and I just kind of stretched my arms out and leaned back, and all of a sudden, my neck just it hurt and it shot this pain all the way down my arm and i'm you know thinking i'm having another heart attack or something because that's the way it felt and went to the doctor or went to the emergency room and they did x-rays and everything else and led to my first surgery i had my my neck looked like a a politician it was so crooked and uh they had to go in and and uh to do the bone graft and all that and then kept having pains up and down my spine and it got to where i couldn't hardly walk and i was using a cane mm-hmm. and then another surgery they had to go in my lower back and it's just it's moving its way up but i go from using a cane to having to use a wheelchair that kind of thing but i I'm trying to take advantage in between surgeries of trying to walk as much as I can for about 10 minutes. I'm in so much pain. I just can't handle it, but keep pushing on, right? Yeah. yeah. Got to keep pushing on. Even if it hurts, you got to keep pushing. It hurts to sit. (laughs) Yeah. So if it hurts to sit and it hurts to walk, you might as well walk a little bit, move a little bit. Yeah, Might as well get the exercise, right? One of my, um, there at the Pritikin Center is where I did my first yoga class. It was more like a gentle stretching class because nobody could do anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I ended up um, getting into yoga. And my one of my teachers today, she's 94. And one of the things she says is you got to keep your body moving. You know, what ages us is when our joints start to creak and we're not getting the synovial fluid, you know, and she's still doing yeah. headstands every day at 94 years old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a remarkable woman, but um, I really dived in, into yoga after the Pritikin Center and I haven't stopped, you know, and it's just like, I never thought I would do yoga and, you know, it was what's yoga, you know, when, when I left that hospital, when I left the hospital, in 87 AMA, I didn't think that I was going to go do yoga. I didn't know what I was going to do, but it made me feel better. You know, as little as I could do, you know, to start out. Now I can do most anything. Wow. So yoga, from my understanding, because we, when you hear yoga, most of us think it's just stretching and stuff like that, but there's more to it than that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, some people say, well, I can't go to yoga because I'm not flexible enough. It's a little bit like saying, you know, you can't take a shower because you're too dirty. You know? <laughs> right? Right. The purpose of yoga is not flexibility, although you will get flexibility through practice, or most people do. You know, but there's people, I mean, there's a woman in my classes today, and she was hit in june she was out on her bike out on the road road bike got hit it actually took about a half an hour to find her because she was out in a field and they couldn't find her oh my god she broke most bones in her body she's been in a chair 
and she started coming in to the class uh, about six weeks ago. And now she's back standing up again, and she's actually a NICO, a needle intensive care unit nurse here at the local hospital. But she's not working right. She can't work right now, but she come in and she just starts moving her body gently, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit this way, a little bit that way, doing what she can to really bring life back to her body after being mangled. I mean, she was mangled. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think she since June, she's had seven surgeries. Golly. She's still got a few more to go. Yeah, that that part sucks. Yeah. So, you know, there's that that extreme. And then there's kind of another extreme. Like I I started teaching in L.A. in the 90s and people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would come in. Most people know who Kareem is. He's a basketball player in case you don't know him. And he would come in and do it for basketball. You know, Mm. he'd been there for years. Um, And then there's just, you know, the what I call everyday people like myself and you, I mean, just everyday people, right? We're Mm -hmm. not famous, you know, or any of that kind of stuff, you know, and I just go into yoga to really clear my mind. You know, when, when I go to class, it's about flushing my mind because my mind gets garbled, right? Right. You know, kind of bounces around and the monkeys are doing crap up there and, you know, (laughs) Whatever they're doing, and I just got to go and just, like, let my mind go. Well, you kind of incorporate meditation with yoga as well, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a form of, of meditation. Um, you know, I'll I'll sit and meditate sometimes, but normally not much more than 10 or 15 minutes at the most. Three to five minutes sometimes just is enough to just stop, close my eyes, be calm for a while. You know, for three minutes. I mean, it's amazing what three minutes will do with your eyes closed. Just right. And quietly. You know, but um, yeah, the, the meditative aspect. And like when I teach, I do the same thing when I practice. But when I'm teaching, I'm really teaching people to, to breathe calmly, regardless of the sensations they're feeling. The physical pain, perhaps. The mental jarble emotional jarble, whatever it might be, and just to breathe calm rather than getting into like a bunch of heavy breathing. Now, something I noticed talking to a few different yoga teachers and some of the things that they they teach people when they're really first getting into to yoga, the, the uh, physical therapist that would come to my house, uh-huh. there wasn't a whole lot of difference between what this physical therapist had me doing is what yoga was teaching balance and things like that. And even though it was only about 20 minutes a day, it it made a difference in how quickly I recovered. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm not going to run a a marathon or climb a mountain, but I can move a lot better and I'm not, uh, you know, vegetating on the couch. Yeah. Right. I'm, you know, over the years and, you know, I've, I've had PTs as students come in. I've had people in PT. I've had friends in PT. And sometimes I say, show me what they're teaching you in PT mm-hmm. to do. And every single time I can relate it to some type of yoga posture. I believe it. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, yoga on, on a certain level, like Hatha yoga, Hatha is physical. So Hatha is really means physical yoga, mm-hmm. right? And it, it does. I mean, here I am. I mean, I've got some ice stuff now. But other than that, in 30 years, I've never, I've, I went back to the hospital about a year after I left for a, a checkup. And I told the guy that, I was doing yoga and walking all the time. And he said, well, good luck. He says, I'm not sure it's doing anything for you. But here I was perfectly healthy (laughs) compared to what I was. And so I never went back again. Mm -hmm. That was 35 years ago. You're taking money out of his pocket. That's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's probably dead now and I'm alive. (laughs) And you're still chugging along. I'm still chugging along. Yeah. 
has that been the biggest thing that you say you've had to face and overcome in your life? Well, there's a couple of more. (laughs) So we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but at 12 years old, I was in a water skiing accident and Mm. I was a hotshot water skier and I hit the beach. I was doing a beach landing and I hit it too hard and head over heels, wind knocked out of me. Um, Nothing punctured me, but went to the local hospital. This was in Oregon um, at the coast. It was just a small local hospital. And they said I was just bruised up and I would be okay. Well, that night I was throwing up blood. And to get back to Portland was about an hour and a half drive. So mom, the next day, drove drove us back to Portland, went to the doctor. I woke up about 10 days later from a coma. Oh and gosh. I found out that I had had 60% of my liver removed, 21 blood transfusions, gallbladder removed, cracked ribs, collapsed lung, and again, the coma. In my 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 near death experience, and then I had a tube in the side of me for about eight months as a result of that. So Golly. that was my first biggie. Oh my goodness! Yeah, these things that happen. I mean, it, I guess you'd call it a setback. Um, some people they can uh, keep going, and then there's others that just say, you know what? What's the point? I give up. What, what do you find inside of you that keeps you going? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. That's an interesting question, and I've asked myself that a lot. And I, you know, there's certainly a lot of people that decide to give up. And, you know, wh- wherever we are, to me, it's, it's all okay. You know, because in the end, everything is okay. Anyway, whatever the the grand plan is, uh, I think everything's going to be okay. Um, I always wanted to live. I I never wanted to to die. Um, I never felt suicidal. Now, I did struggle a lot. I had terrible self-esteem, especially after the accident. Um, As a kid, you know, I I didn't feel very good. I didn't think that the girls would like me. I had all these scars in my body. I couldn't be physically active like I had been prior to it. Um, You know, I couldn't do the football stuff. I couldn't do a lot of things. And I ended up starting to smoke pot and drink because, you know, it made me feel bigger than what I was. It it Mm -hmm. like suppressed all that stuff. So by the time I was in high school, I was pretty wild kid. You know, there, there wasn't much holding me back. Mm -hmm. And so really that the water skiing accident and then the the drinking and and all that, that happened up to the time where I had my legs was pretty much, you know, a 15 year party, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, got into, you know, a lot of the trouble that you get into from, drinking and using and and all that kind of stuff and then the legs and I didn't quite get sober yet I was I was struggling with sobriety most of it was self-esteem and then at 30 I'm 64 now so at 30 was the last time that I had a drink or a cigarette or anything it's just like it was all removed in one day wow Yeah, I know for myself, you know, I started drinking and smoking pot when I was about 12. Yeah. And it turned into quite a bit of drug habit. I mean, it's be quicker for me to tell you the stuff I didn't try. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I think Coke was probably my biggest problem, which I know was a contributing factor to my heart attack. But uh, my, my question is, is, 
you know, when you go through a lot of this, these physical uh, setbacks, especially accidents, they try to push you know, pain pills and things like that on you. Now, for me, uh, I've straight up told my doctor, I'm, I'm going to be honest. If you put me on those pain pills, I'm a very addictive person and I will abuse them. And I don't want to to get into another habit. I just kicked all this stuff. I'm, I'm like you. I don't drink anymore. Um, and I, don't, I don't do any of those drugs. They found an alternative for me, which, funny enough, it's uh, something that they use to help you get off of opioids. Mm -hmm. But off-label, they use it for pain. So it's mm -hmm. like perfect, perfect for me. Yeah. Um. What was to keep you from getting into, you know, another habit? Well, I, I feel lucky that both my water skiing accident and my, um, it was essentially, I mean, it wasn't a, you could call it a heart attack in the legs because that's what I was having. It wasn't in the heart, mm -hmm. it was in the legs. Neither one of them did I require you know, really massive pain stuff or pharmaceuticals at, at all. Um, after my leg stuff, I did have a lot of back pain and I couldn't move much for a year or two. Um, some of it might have just been my mind. Um, some of it could have been structural stuff. I don't really know. But it doesn't matter now because I don't have it now. <laughs> that's That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I yeah, I, I feel lucky, and I I will tell tell you something, Kyle. You know, when I had my water skiing accident, you know, I had a near death experience, and I left my body, and I felt like I was in a area of spirit, and there was a guy there, my spirit guide. He's still around me all the time. I call him Fred, and I was standing there. You know, I'm a 12 year old kid. I was standing there holding Fred's hand. And he came to me, I'm convinced he came to me in a way that I would understand him. He had blue jeans and I got, I happened to have a plaid shirt. He had a red plaid shirt on and he was probably 6'4", 6'5". He was a, a big guy, but very gentle. Wow. Very calming. And, you know, when I came back to my body, I didn't want to come back. I, I wanted to stay where I was. And I actually would, became quite resentful towards God that I came back. And the, the reason I, I wanted to, to mention this is because when I did end up, um, the last day I drank, I ended up in the hospital for a few days. And a friend of mine came to me and he said, are you ready? And I knew exactly what he meant. And I flashed back to Fred and I knew I was ready. And at that moment, I felt like this swooshing feeling inside of me. And like I said, everything was removed. The desire to drink, the desire to smoke, the desire to use drugs. Everything was removed at one time. So I just, everything was done with. Wow. At that moment. So, you know, that resentment that I had towards God for so many years was just removed. Mm -hmm. you know well, i think that he has a plan for all of us i have no doubt and, and until you've fulfilled that i think that's why we stick around because i think how many times have i come so close to dying there's got to be a reason why i'm still here absolutely yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. well even coming back to my, my body as a kid and then you know i told i said i don't want to go and i said well you're not through yet well you know, that's been 51 years ago, Kyle. And I, apparently I'm not through yet. <laughs> You're, you are here for a reason. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Is that why you decided to be a life coach? Well, a lot of it, I think, came about as, as the yoga. You know, ever since the early 90s, I've worked for myself. Mm-hmm. And most of it, I've, I've been a coach, I've been a teacher, and not all of it's been yoga. I mean, I've, I taught realtors mortgage finance, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, but as I started doing yoga, 
um, I had this feeling like the teaching yoga was more about really teaching about life than, than just bending right, left, backwards, and forwards. And so I had some pretty incredible teachers that talked about that, not in a religious sense and not in a hardcore sense, but more in a, to me, like life coaching is about helping people recognize who they are mm -hmm. versus telling them who they are. Right? Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in telling anybody who they are. I believe in helping people find who they are. Well, you think about a, a, a psychiatrist or, or, or a therapist, they they just help you to get the answers out that you already have inside of you. You just, for some reason, you're not thinking of those and they know how to pull that out of you. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of what life coaches do. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself a psychiatrist. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's a doctor that I knew years ago. He part of his practice was removing diagnoses that other doctors had put on people, hmm. patients, and he believed that everything was overdiagnosed. And you know, there's financial reasons that they do that. You know, if you go to the um, annual board meeting at your local hospital and they sit down with their business plan for the next year, they're sitting down and going, okay, we need to do this many, you know, we need to do a thousand bypass surgeries. We need to do a thousand, you know, L5S1s. We need to remove, you know, 500 gallbladders. I mean, they're writing out all these different things that they're going to do. So they have a business plan to help generate revenue. Right. And then the pharmaceuticals are doing the same thing. You know, I think like ADHD and a lot of these things are way overdiagnosed. I agree. You know, it's just like, you know, ADHD, you know, maybe I have it. I don't want a, a psychiatrist to tell me I might have it. I want a psychiatrist to tell me I'm passionately diverse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that I like lots of different things rather than, oh, Michael, you have you know, you're like here, 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 here. And I go, yeah, isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great that that <laughs> diversity, that that God-given diversity is there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I tend to think that they uh, they do push medicine too quickly. It's, it, it's, it seems like you go in, every one that I've ever talked to, that's the first thing they want to do is pull out that pad and say, oh, well, you need to be taking this and you need to be taking that. And I fell into it. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I, I fell right into it. And and then I talked to um, to a, a psychic and she wasn't talking to me on the line of being a psychic. She was saying, you know, you can you can reach down inside of yourself and you can you can pull up that strength to overcome a lot of this and yeah. get into meditation and you can get off of these drugs. And there were drugs they were giving me to, you know, not make me feel depressed or feel like I wanted to end myself, but yet I'd take it and I still felt that way. And sometimes it was even more intense than before. Yeah. And then when I got off the medicine and started meditating, I, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. yeah, there's not a lot of money in most cases for doctors to tell you to go home and meditate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, I had a friend of mine. She was a PA at one of the local pain centers. You know, that did a lot of back and spine stuff and all that. And you know, we she was coming to yoga and we had a, a deep talk one day about you know the mind body stuff. And I said. I know you guys are prescribing all sorts of things. And I said, have you ever looked at doing these type of ideas? She says, most people won't do that. She says, I know that the mind body works differently, but when somebody comes in and they're in pain, they're not willing to go look at these other things. She says, we have to give them these pain things 
says every once in a while I can drop seeds or hints about it, but in the most you know case we have to you know says if it's not you know we're medically liable. You know so, yeah. you know they're in a tough position too. Yeah, true. Now that there are other great doctors, I mean I I got into some of the mind body stuff not only with yoga but a guy named. Dr. John Sarno, I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm -mm. He was head of clinical rehabilitation at NYU Medical Center and a conventionally trained rehabilitation doctor and surgery and all that stuff And back in the 70s and early 80s. And he recognized that people weren't getting better after back surgery. And he goes, if people aren't getting better, why are we still doing these surgeries? Mm -hmm. And he started exploring the mind-body and went, oh, I think most back pain is because of these reasons. And so that's grown humongously, not on a financial side, because there's still not much money in it. And then there's another organization in, in Portland, Oregon called the PPDA, which is the Psychophysiological Disorder Association. Mm -hmm. It's one of the associate professors at OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University. He's an associate professor of ethics there and gastroenterology and now he goes around and he teaches other doctors how to diagnose their patients differently because most of the diagnostic process is mostly all physical mm -hmm. so he teaches them how to incorporate that mind-body relationship that mind-body interplay mm -hmm. so they recognize what's behind the pain mm. it's fascinating stuff yeah, for me it is. I don't. I don't know about other people. Um, I, I'm. You know what? If I didn't uh, experience it for myself, I would think you're being goofy too. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in all honesty, you know, yeah. um, I've learned to be a little bit more open into trying new things, and, and it yeah. meditation has changed me in so many ways. And I know, I know I can hear someone out there already saying, but I feel this pain. Well, you know what? I feel the pain too. I live yeah. through it every day and I'm, I'm not using those drugs that, you know, make you all goofy and everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a lot of nerve damage and, and, and all, and I do use the medication, but when I get really sit down and start meditating, that helps me to get through that pain that even the medicine's not stopping. Yeah. And it can be done. Yeah. And, and part of the reason it's doing that is because, you know, your autonomic nervous system and your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, particularly are like fighting each other and like going out of balance and it, it helps create the pain in the body. And when you're sitting there meditating, it starts to calm that down a little bit. So they're not fighting as much inside. Mm -hmm. And so it's calming down the pain. I mean, that's a real kind of generic reason why that happens. But it's just like, oh, I mean, that's a nice thing about meditation, right? Yeah. Is yeah. we just get to sit there, do nothing. <laughs> and find a place that makes you feel comfortable that makes you feel relaxed for me it's the river being yeah. by the water is very yeah. very calming and you just get lost in your thoughts and, and i mean they're concentrated thoughts don't get me wrong but man it makes you feel so refreshed and yeah. it, it helps you to deal with other people too yeah. i mean how many times we let everything in the world get at us and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're already ready to run them off the road and cuss them out. I mean, yeah. happens yeah. to me. Yep. happens to all of us. I think it's mm -hmm. part of the human condition. You know, it, it just popped in my mind, a friend of mine, Dina Proctor. Um, what was the, the name of the book? Madly chasing peace. And she wrote this book you know, about 10 years ago or so. But prior to that, she had been struggling with, sobriety and you know letting go of the drink and and all yeah. of that and somebody suggested she do a lot of prayer meditation and she was resistant to that idea right and she mm -hmm. came up with 
with this meditation technique, and it's in her book, again, Madly Chasing Peace, it's called three by three meditation, where you meditate three times a day for three minutes, morning, midday, evening. Mm -hmm. And she went to a guy named Dr. Bruce Lipton. I don't know if you've heard of him I've, or some of the listeners. I've, I've heard that he, name. He's a, he was a stem cell researcher, kind of grew up around that. And um, without going too far down that path, uh, Dina was able to, to, uh, get a hold of him and, and describe this three by three meditation to him. And he says, he says, it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. Yeah. So, and here's a guy and he's one of the people that when they were studying, you know, cells and stem cells and all that, you know, is it hereditary or is it environment? And, you know, it was always, well, it was in your genes. It's just in your genes, you know, that kind of thinking. And Bruce Lipton goes, no, it's not. He says, it's also the environment. He says, what's the environment your your cells are living in? Are they living in an environment of alcohol and drugs and mental struggles? Um, you know, there's a thing called the ACE study, which is the Adverse Childhood Experience Study. And the ACE study came up with all sorts of different factors about why people develop disease and back pain in their life. And most of it stems from childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, fascinating stuff, you know. So. Do you um, do you do affirmations when you're doing your meditation as well? I don't do it while I'm doing my meditation. I, I normally am just quiet. You know, some people like music, some people like affirmations, not that I haven't done it, uh, but normally I just sit there and I set my timer for three minutes or 10 minutes or 12 minutes on my phone. And I just sit there with my eyes closed. Now, I also I mean, I live by a river, so I walk by the river all the time, too. And that's like a walking meditation. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not actively thinking, OK, I'm meditating, but it's calming the mind be near the water. Now, you're an author as well. Tell me about your book. Well, I've got a couple different books. One of them, Falling Down, Getting Up. Exactly what it sounds like. First part of the book is, you know, all the falls, everything that happened, most everything that happened. <laughs> and then the, the last half of the book is what I did to get past that. And maybe some ideas what other people could do as well. Um, again, I'm a huge believer that we're finding our own paths. And, you know, I was one of those people that, you know, I'd get first kind of like a little nudge, a nudge from God, you know, and then it would be a yeah. two by four, then it would be a Mack truck. <laughs> you know, it takes yeah. a while to hear what's being told, but finally I did. And everybody goes through their own process, right? Mm -hmm. so, but that's what, what that book is about. And then I uh, co-authored another book called Expert Success Solutions. Um, and then the most recent one I did with um, a company, you know, Podbatch, uh, with, with the owners of, of that. And we wrote a book on podcasting and guest mastery, how to be a, a guest on podcast. So that book came out in October and we ran it up to number one in podcasting, marketing and entrepreneurship. So all the books were, were number one in different categories. But. Yeah. I have to plug pod match. That has been a blessing in my life. And, uh, looked like I got first got on it. I really wasn't too sure about it, but I said, what the heck I'm going to give it a try. And, and I paid my $6 and, you know, I got some pretty good guests, and then all of a sudden, I got more and more and more. Three months later, I, after what I spent eighteen dollars all together as my membership, I made one hundred and twenty dollars, and all I did wow. was do do these interviews. Yeah, and, and then after started over again, I've already made over sixty bucks. Yeah, and it's something that I was already doing. 
Yeah. But, uh, but now I have a tool to find people like you to come on the show. Isn't, isn't it great? And Alex and his wife have done a really great job with, with Podmatch and it's continuing to grow. You know, yeah. They, yeah. 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 They, they sent me a book in the mail the other day. I was, uh, the, yeah. The, the host mastery or the guest master? I, I have to look. I, there's got... two books. There's guest mastery and then there's host mastery. I think I got host mastery. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I haven't, I mean, I have so many books that I need to read. I haven't got to it yet. But yeah, yeah. he sent he sent me a card in the mail too, and he wrote out a little note on there thanking me yeah. for being a part of it. And and uh, you need to tell Alex that I I need to uh, get paid for these little plugs here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll I'll tell him you're plugging next time I talk to him. There you go. There you I go. I do talk to him once in a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's if you're into uh, doing podcasts, whether a guest or as a host, Podmatch is it, uh, this is one site I can say that uh, is very beneficial, and you get paid if you get, if you get enough interviews. I mean, it didn't take long for me to get 120 dollars built up. In yeah. The, well, if it costs you eighteen bucks and you get, I mean, I'd do that all day long. Exactly. I yeah. mean, that's three months membership, eighteen yeah. bucks. Yeah. And I get better off of this than I do the free one that I'm on, and I'm not yeah. going to mention them. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, some sometimes when things are paid, there's more energy put into it. I think so too. Yeah. And you and, get you know, serious guests too. No, 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 not only if you want to be a guest or a host, but the quality of the people that are on Podmatch, both as guest and hosts, are is really high. Mm-hmm. You know, really I high. Agree. And so you're gonna get good shows. And there's all sorts of topics. I mean, every topic you can imagine is 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 on there. That's right. You know. So, yeah, absolutely. There's another book. I, I want to mention another book. This isn't a very good segue, but um, it's called The Great Pain Deception. And it's a guy named Stephen Asanich. And it's all about, oh, I mean, his wife ended up in a chair and all the back surgeries and all the different surgeries that he had and the realizations that he had about all of those surgeries Mm -hmm. and he ended up going to the guy I mentioned to you, Dr. John Sarno and Dr. John Sarno, the late Dr. John Sarno helped him turn everything around. Amazing book, the great pain deception. I love plugging other people. Dina's book. um, uh, uh, Madly chasing peace. And then Stephen's book, The Great Pain Deception, my books. I'm a huge fan of books. Well, if it's going to benefit other people, I, yeah. I don't mind plugging yeah. things like that. And, um, well, you know, we were just talking about the about Podmatch. Um, you and uh, a, another guest that I had, y'all, y'all help people with their podcasts. Tyler. Yeah, Tyler, you got yeah. Tyler Foley on there. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler's great. He grew up in the entertainment industry on yep. stage and movies and Freddy versus Jason. And I mean, he, he did a Hallmark movie earlier this year. Um, all sorts of, of miscellaneous stuff he's done over the years. And so he got really good through some of the entertainment industry processes that they use to put shows out. So he got pretty good at that. I went through some storytelling at Merrillhurst College, Merrillhurst University now, um, and learned some storytelling techniques and really how to apply that, whether it's something about yourself personally or storytelling techniques about your iPhone, you know, whatever it might be. And so we both love doing that and we love helping other people. Um, I can't remember. I think you had Andrea um, on your show. Yeah, too. Peru. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was one of our 
clients as well. And we ran her up to number one um, on PodMatch in about 45 days. Wow. So we like doing that. We like to, you know, help people. And she's got a great story, you know, herself. And, yeah. Uh, you know, from Romania and everything that she's been through in, in her life. And we really like doing that, you know, because, you know, one of the things, Kyle, that, you know, I believe and, you know, Tyler does too, is that in today's world, we need to have shows like this. We need to be able to get our messages out. We need to help support each other. It doesn't matter what political or religious belief, you know, there's so much fighting out there in the world yeah. that if we open up and talk to each other, you know, mm -hmm. we might be able to change that. You know, may maybe it it's a pie in the sky type thinking, but, you know, I think that there's more to, you know, talking and opening up, I think, than what most people can give credit to. I mean, you, you go to some other countries in the world, if you even say the word war, you're in jail for 15 years. I mean, mm -hmm. really? So it's almost like, I almost feel like a responsibility to get on as many shows as I can and to help encourage other people to get their message and story out too, to bring us together. Yeah. You know, COVID has sucked, you know, let's admit it, whatever you, you think yeah. about it. You know, but on another side, Zoom has boomed, so to speak. Yes, and now is. people all over the world are talking through Zoom. So yeah. it's bringing us together and it's tearing us apart on one side, bring us together on another side. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, um, used to be nobody talked about who they voted for. And now it's kind of become part of your identity if you've gotten into it, I mean, I've I've gotten wrapped up in it before. I've yeah. gotten in arguments on, on social media before, but it it what does it do? It's not going to it's not going to change those politicians, right. and uh, uh, they keep us fighting and keep us separated. But then they have all the power. That's We've right. That's where we've got to stop letting that tear us apart and start getting back together again. Yeah. I just want to be friends with my neighbors. I don't want to get into a big fight. Let's have a barbecue instead of an argument. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I agree. We need to keep this message going on. Um, Michael, you, do you have a website? Yeah, it's really easy to get to. It's, uh, my name with a B in the middle, Michael B, as in book, michaelbharris.com. Really mm -hmm. easy to get to. If somebody wants to download my Falling Down Getting Up book, they can go to, and you won't find this link on my website. It's a back link. It's my name again, michaelbharris.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. Really easy. So if somebody types that in with the book on the end, they can get a free copy of, of Falling Down Getting Up. So I just give it away for free. I haven't even checked my royalties for a couple of years with my publisher. I don't even know how to get to my royalty reports anymore. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, people do buy the book, um, but this is for the listeners since we're talking about this. Um, I do this on uh, maybe one out of four or five podcasts. Oh. It just kind of depends on the show. But, um, nice. Thank so that's you. That's it. And, you know, any other social media you can all find through the website. I was hacked on Facebook recently. So it's. Oh, God. I had that done too. Don't get me started on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up having to start all over again. And it wouldn't have mattered, except there were some pictures and stuff on there that. You know, I, I had downloaded from a, a phone that I don't no longer have. Yeah. And I should have went ahead and made copies of it, like on a drive or something, but uh, I didn't. And now I regret it. But uh, yeah, that's that's a whole nother show. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> well, we could use social media as a good tool if we all 
decided to do that. And unfortunately, not everybody wants to do that. It's true. Yeah. But uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great chatting with you. And I'm I'm sure that we could chat for all day long about different things, going down different (laughs) rabbit holes, you know. And I always like to finish with a bit of hope that, you know, everything not only will be okay, but everything is okay. And sometimes it's hard for me to realize that, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, poop happens, you know, crap happens. But, you know, we can still get through it doesn't matter you know you know you know things that i used to think were so terrible were the best things that ever happened to me mm-hmm. you know my, my drinking which used to i think was so terrible now it's the best thing that ever happened to me my leg surgeries used to be the worst thing that ever happened now it's the best thing that ever happened right mm-hmm. and so it's like you know let, let's be friends and support each other and you know, all of that. And like you said, go to barbecue without fighting our neighbors. That's right. Yeah. You know, when somebody goes to work out and they're, they're pumping that iron and they're tearing those muscles as they're, yep. they're doing it, but then they repair themselves and they get bigger and stronger. Whenever these things happen to us in life, it's kind of the same thing. It might, might tear you there at that moment, but it can, it can, uh, yeah, there's going to be a scar, but it can make you stronger. Yeah. We need to keep that in mind. And, uh, that's why I, I do this show. And I thank all of you for stopping by. But for those who, of you who are here for the first time, I hope you will come back. Please hit that subscribe button. And my regulars, it's because of you I get to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network 